0: rippy right writes with brian scott lippie transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon ramming your head through some drywall and then writing down every thought you have
1: what is up on a friday i am brian scott rippy thanks for tuning in to another edition of the rippy Rights podcast powered by twisted tea today we have the oxford ortho letterman's lounge athlete of the week jonathan nicholson former old miss kicker we talked about his career The art of kicking the football, how he became a college kicker from Pillow Academy in Greenwood, Mississippi, the Eli Manning years, his short professional career that was pretty wild in its own right, and a whole lot more. Great guy. I really think you'll enjoy this conversation and take you down memory lane a bit. Before we get to that, though, I wanted to take a quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by C Spire. Time to upgrade your home internet to the best service in the market with C Spire Home Fiber. The past few years have proven how important it is to have reliable home internet connection for you and your family. That's why C Spire Home provides the most reliable internet service with 99.99% uptime. C Spire also prides themselves with best customer service in the home internet market. Their customer service is award-winning, local, based out of the Southeast with industry low call wait time. C-SPIRE provides 1 gigabit and 300 megabit internet packages to homes across Mississippi, Birmingham, and southern Alabama regions. C-SPIRE is also proud to announce the release of their brand new 2 gigabit and 8 gigabit home internet plans. Save yourself the hassle by not waiting for your internet connection to drop with the other guys. Call or go online to cspire.com slash home today and use promo code Rippy R-I-P-P-E-E, R-I-P-P-E-E and you'll get one month of free service. So you get a free month of internet service and the best internet service in the market just for listening to this podcast. How about that? Check them out. C Spire, customer inspired. This podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked that the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Carnival, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. If you're a Skybox member, you went 11 and 4 on NFL picks over the weekend, plus 8.5 units. Some of you out there who didn't use Skybox, probably hurting in the wallet, probably hurting in the old Venmo account, having to pay the man. You should sign up to Skybox Sports Picks today. Go online, find a Picks package within your price range. You can try it for a day, a week, a month. You can try NFL, you can try college, you can try all the sports. I recommend going with the year-long all access pass because you will make every year a profitable one with skybox you don't want to lose money this football season maybe we're a month and a half into this maybe you're already in a little bit of a hole use skybox to help you pull out of it they are the professionals they're Picks are based on data and modeling, not leans five minutes before kickoff. They'll send you picks in a nice color-coded spreadsheet, and boom, you're more equipped to profit than you were before signing up for Skybox. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Use the promo code Rippy R-I-P-P-E-E, and that'll get you 20% off any purchase. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Real quick before we get to Jonathan, uh, I guess I don't do this often enough, but uh, I guess content plug announcement, we do have a story up on Rebel Grove dot com on Caden Prescorn and how he went from a prep school quarterback with no FBS offers to an sec tight end with an NFL future. We also talked about the journey along the way, losing his father, becoming a father and learning to appreciate the good in life as it comes so he's a great guy that's a great family i really enjoy getting to know them a little bit more at least getting to know their story a little bit more so if you want to check that up it's up on rebelgrove.com i just probably need to start making a note of it when we post stuff like that so it's up there free to read check it out if you want to all right here's jonathan nichols all right we now welcome on the oxford ortho letterman's lounge athlete of the week old miss great jonathan nichols i appreciate you joining the show man how we doing Doing good, man. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you were uh, coaching or watching some youth sports earlier tonight as we record this a little bit later on a Tuesday night. Are you coaching or are you just a bystander?
0: Well, my son's in fifth grade. I was coaching the fourth and fifth up until this week. Our last was uh, last week. So I just took him out to watch the sixth grade play tonight.
1: Okay, awesome. Is he a fellow MIS coach? Uh, uh, student so I went to Jackson Academy. I know you went to Pillow. Is he uh is he at PCS? What uh where where's he uh where's he playing sports at?
0: He is he's at PCS.
1: Okay, awesome. So I guess we'll just get started from the beginning. You were from Greenwood, Mississippi. You become a kicker at Ole Miss. You become one of the greatest kickers in Ole Miss school history. How does that happen? You're like six foot. I I, I read your uh, – they even have your rivals in a scout bio from back in the day. So, you're like six foot, 175. I can't imagine that was all you played in high school. How did you become a kicker?
0: Uh, playing soccer, I probably – we live um, in a place called Doddsville, Mississippi. Nobody really knows that is. It's, it's closer to Cleveland than it is to Greenwood. Um, and so my dad's jobs moved over to Greenwood, and we followed. And pulled us at Pillow Academy, and I started playing here probably when I was six years old, and um just just had a leg, you know. I can um I remember we were two we were in seventh grade, and then I was looking for a kicker, and our coach lined up everybody on the team, and we were like halfway through. I was halfway in the line. Um, I kicked off once and booted it and uh he said do that and then he said all right everybody back to practice we got a kicker so um just started doing that from uh seventh grade on grade and um all throughout high school i played i played a little bit of quarterback and as well
1: okay so soccer that's a pretty common path toward becoming a kicker we were talking about it before we started recording um, you're a dentist and I work for a firm that owns a couple of dental practices. we were actually talking to a guy out of Birmingham, uh, a couple of weeks ago that was thinking about selling and his, uh, his son was a kicker, but the guy's British. So he's originally from England. So he played like the real football. Then I guess his kids got Americanized and he ended up going to kicking college at an SEC school. What is, uh. What is that transition like? What is it like being a soccer guy and then all of a sudden how to, learning how to kick in, like an oblong-shaped object through some some uprights? Like, what is the basics of learning that?
0: Uh, I don't think it's too much different. I mean, of course, your your angle in on kicks is a little bit different with the soccer ball. You know, of course, everybody's going to bend it like Beckham, you know, and kick around the ball and different kinds of spin on the ball. And I'm, you know, with a football, you're just going to kick it straight, so... Um, it's a little bit on your angles and your approach, but overall, you know, you got usually most I think that would transition for most guys that have a big leg in soccer They could probably figure out and probably uh, do pretty well kicking a as well.
1: So when did you realize you, be, you could become a college kicker? At what point did that happen? Like you played – you mentioned you played some quarterback, like you're doing a bunch of different stuff football-wise. When did you realize, like, okay, I'm pretty good at this and I, I could actually do this at the next level and then ultimately obviously the SEC level? Well,
0: they had a Auburn kicking camp, which it was uh, – um, it was Carol White camp, but they were all over the country. But Auburn was probably – was one to me at the time so I think I was in the summer of eighth grade going into ninth grade and my dad took me over there to the camp uh, it's like a three or four day camp and uh, I actually won my division and then we got to go kick in the stadium and I guess as a you know as an upcoming ninth grader in the stadium um, I kicked and, and if you made it they let you keep going so I was the only one left and this went from eighth grade all the way to 12th grade. And I was the only one left. And I kicked a 55-yarder in the stadium um, that's in the, in the little competition. And in in, uh, I guess I a little trophy, I won that. And I guess my dad kind of realized then that this was maybe a little bit bigger than he thought. Um, you know, he kind of stayed on me about practices. And we would go to that. We went to that camp every year at that. So I got ended up getting a lot of letters and some. And um, actually got offered by this my junior year of high school and um, and Mississippi State, my senior year of high school.
1: What was that first offer like where you kind of blown away? Like, OK, this is a real thing. Like I can go kick in the SEC. What was what do you remember about the first time you got like a major college football offer? And you're like, OK, this is this is real. Well, I was. The um, was the head coach at the time, and I went up for a
0: junior day. And I think we went to the locker room, and you have kind of like an, ex- kind of I guess you know, and I wouldn't call it an accident, um, not like an official visit, but he told me he wanted wanted to talk to me, and he came in the locker room. We sat down on the couch, and uh, my dad was in there as well, and and he just started talking about kicking, started talking about football, and you know we. We've seen you play, we've seen your videos, we've uh, watched all your highlights, and um, we just want to know that, that you know, right now you're being offered a scout to play, you know, as, as a kicker here at Ole Miss, and yeah, I was kind of overwhelmed, I didn't know what to think, you know, I wasn't expecting it, you know, I, I knew I had done well, and um, I thought I was a pretty good kicker, but I had no clue that they thought I was that good.
1: So, When you're learning that, like what's in your mind, like what is the difference between a high school kicker and then one that can go play at the next level? Is it simply just leg strength? I imagine accuracy has to factor in like what, how would you describe like the difference between a college ready kicker than your, you know, pretty good, typical average high school kicker? Well, at the time it's,
0: it's kind of funny you ask that because at the time I'd never kicked off the ground. So I had a little half inch. Now I did have a half inch tee. Most of the um, kickers in high school, um, you can use a one-inch tee, um, and they may even, I think they may, it, you know, may have gone higher than that at some point. But I had a little half-inch tee, and I, I never kicked off the ground. So um, I knew that I would have to make that transition, but I knew I probably wasn't ready because I'd never done it. Um, and I remember Ole Miss invited me up to a, a, a camp my senior year, and it wasn't a kicking camp. It was just kind of like a, you know, just a camp a camp that they have right now for all position players. And I knew what they were going to want me to do. And they were going to want me to kick in front of them. And I had never kicked off the ground. So um, I got some, some advice of not to go to that camp and to, uh, (laughs) to maybe fake, fake, fake a a trip, a family trip that we were going on and couldn't make it. Um, But it really did. um, It really did take me. Les Binkley was a senior when I got red shirted. So they, you know, he was a great kicker and they had him, it really did take me probably a good six months to really get comfortable kicking off the ground. So if I would have showed up at Ole Miss and they, you know, and they would have said, you know, as far as being, you know, college ready, SEC ready, I, I, w- I don't think I would have been able to do it. Not at, not at the, um, you know, especially not like I, like I did do it having a year under my belt to just train just, just on kicking,
1: you get to Ole Miss, what was the recruiting process like? like I got mean, we talked about the offers and whatnot. Like, how many offers did you have? Did you grow up an Ole Miss fan? What was the ultimate decision-making process like?
0: I grew up a Mississippi State fan, actually. My dad went to Mississippi State, and um, my brother was a huge Ole Miss fan. He never went to Ole Miss, but he loved Ole Miss growing up. I remember we had these little statues in our room, and I had a bulldog, and he had a rebel. Um but I think probably the deciding factor was um, I had some good buddies that were going to Ole Miss, and I think I would just gone up to Oxford a little bit more, maybe as I got older. I did go to uh, Mississippi State some when I was younger, but as I got older, closer to my senior year, I traveled to Oxford a few times. And 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 my brother bought up brought up a good point during the whole process. He's like, man, you know that Eli Manning is going to be the quarterback. You know, if you go up there, and he's like. You know how much exposure that you could possibly get. And, you know, you're you're um, you're going to be on TV probably every game because I guess back in the day, you know, you weren't always guaranteed to be on TV like they are today. Um, So that was probably a huge deciding factor that, you know, Eli was going to be the quarterback at Ole Miss at the time.
1: So you get to Ole Miss, you're the 2000 class, so that's the 2000 season. You mentioned you redshirt. What is the transition like? I know they bring you all guys in at specialists. I imagine you punted some too. What was the transition to Ole Miss like, and when did you realize, like, I'm going to be a kicker, not a punter? Was that clear from day one? What was that kind of like once you got into a college program?
0: It was clear from day one. They they recruited me to kick. Um, I punted just a little bit. I mean, I was the punter in in high school for our team, sure. but I never – I never practiced on that. That wasn't my forte. They had uh, Cody Ridgeway, good, my good buddy. He was, you know, they had already signed him to be the punter. Um, so I kind of knew what I was coming in to do, and that's what they told me they wanted me to do.
1: Okay. So did you know Cody coming into Ole Miss?
0: Where is he from? He's from Jackson, Tennessee. I did not know him. Uh, I met him this summer before we actually came into Oxford, um, but ended up li- we ended up living together a few years. A great friend of mine. Awesome
1: teammate. So you kicked a little bit in 01, and then it seemed like again I'm having to go back through the archives. I was seven, eight years old at the time. Not to, not to date you, but like it was your guy, your guys' era is kind of the first like conscious memories I have of you know going to games and watching Ole Miss. You start kicking a little bit in '01. It seems like you won the job full time in '02. How did that kind of happen? Is that accurate?
0: No, I actually I I won the job in '01, so okay. I, I was the start. Yeah, I was the starter from '01 to '04.
1: So you win the job. What is that like in camp? Are you competing against another guy? People talk about quarterback compositions, you know, position battles, whatnot. What is it like? Were you competing against anyone? Did you know you had the gig? What is a kicker competition like?
0: Um, Yes, I was. And, and another great friend of mine, Lee Rogers, was there and he was a year ahead of me. And he had I think Lee had actually kicked off uh, the season before. And he was a, he was really good. I mean, like really, really good place kicker. And I, I really didn't know if I could beat him out. Um, he was that good. And um, um, fortunately for for myself, I did I did end up winning that job. But it was it was a pretty tough battle. Uh, my redshirt freshman year because Lee had kicked off. So he he had actually been you know, he had played in games. He had been through that. He'd had the experience. Um but I, like I said, I end up winning the job, but it was a very, very tough battle to do that.
1: What's a kicking battle like? Is it just simply who's the most accurate in practice? Is there any more details to it? Like what is it actually like going through a kicking battle in preseason camp? Uh, well, yeah, it, it's mainly preseason. Like you said, um, you know, we kick, we have scrimmages
0: and, you know, they'll, they'll say, you know, fourth and three from, you know, wherever they'll holler field goal team. And, um, it was kind of back and forth. So Lee would get, you know, Lee would get to kick one. I would do the, the next kick and scrimmages. Then we had the, um, the, um, it's not the Grove bowl, but it was a meet the rebels. So we had the meet the rebels scrimmage they used to do. And we, um, we were in the stadium and that's probably the last scrimmage we actually had before the start of season. And we had, I think I went, I ended up going maybe like five for five or six of six, and they were scripted kicks, so they just they just put us out, um, you know, from different different um, yardages that they already had scripted. And um, I, like I said, I, I don't I don't know if I missed one, but I think that that may have been the deciding factor um, when after that little. But it, like I said, it was neck and neck. Lee's, Lee's a great kicker, and I was fortunate enough to beat him. But I don't want to do it
1: again. I can I can certainly imagine that. How do you actually figure that out? Is it like they do with the QB competition sometimes, where they sit both guys down in a room and it's like, hey, we're gonna go with him as the starter. You know, don't get discouraged, one play away. Blah blah blah. Like, do you actually? Like, how do you actually figure out you won the job in one?
0: Man, you're asking. It's twenty two years. Ago. I don't even. Rem-
1: <laughs> I don't know if I even remember that. Other than the fact that maybe Coach
0: Versace, uh Richard Versace was our. um was our special teams coach, and I, I think I just remember him telling me in the hall, um, like in passing, "Hey man, you're going to start this week." You know, I think that was that was it. Uh, I, I I can't I can't truly rem- I truly can't remember you know what how it went down, but I think that's how it went down.
1: Okay. I bet one you can remember. Do you remember your first big kick the first time you are walking out on the field? I would have, you know, someone who knows nothing about kicking I'd have been like, okay, let's just get this shit airborne. I'm about to wet myself out <laughs> here on this stage. What do you remember your first big kick?
0: Well, I don't know about first big kick, but the first time, I think we were playing Murray State or Middle Tennessee State. That was like our first game of the season. And the first extra point that um, I actually got to attempt it was uh, the snap was rolled, kind of bounced back there. And so I had to stop and my leg was suspended in the air behind me. And I just kind of one, I just kind of one leg, you know, just kind of swung my leg and, 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 and kind of putted it through. (laughs) I didn't get to go through the whole motion because I had to stop and let um, my holder get the ball down. So that was pretty nerve wracking there. Um, But I, like I said, that's probably, my big memory of at first of, you know, finally getting out there and getting that uh, first kick out of the way. And it was a a snap kind of bounce back there and, and I had to stop.
1: So um, it's always good when you get that first one out of the way when you win the job and you become the starting kicker, do you have, is there like a self-confidence process that you go through, whether you make your first field goal or you make a 40 or a 50 or whatever it is, was, did you have to kind of prove to yourself throughout that first year of college that you're the starter that like, Hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I can do this. Like, this is, this is something I'm pretty good at.
0: Yeah. I think it's just with anything else, you know, um, anytime you're, you're doing well, it's going to breed confidence. Um, it's just like with any sport, you know, you you hit one kind of, I don't know if you play golf, but I play, I play a fair amount of golf. And, you know, if it's like if you hit a, if you hit a shank or something, it just gets in your head. You know, you just got to, you got to, you've got to have a short memory. And it's the same thing with kicking. Um, It can get in your head as well. You just got to have a short memory and just
1: try to try to have positive thoughts. So this will settle an age-old debate amongst my family friends. My father's friend is a guy named Brian Owen who kicked at Ole Miss back in the 80s. And I remember as a kid – I know having, Brian. Yeah, yeah. okay. And so yeah, I know we'll Brian. Ole Miss kicked your family here. So my when you watch kicks on TV, it looks like they're not going straight all the time. It looks like they're curving one way or another – but I remember them arguing one time where my dad was thinking that, like, hey, you can definitely curve the ball as a kicker. And I think Brian Owen was like, that's the biggest crock, you know, whatever. You just kick the ball straight. <laughs> do you actually curve the football or do you just kick the sucker straight? What is settled of the debate for me? Uh, well, I think after you've done it
0: long enough, you kind of know your ball flight. Kind of like, you know, because like I said, I just relate kind of like a lot of kicking with golf. So after you swing enough and you hit enough balls, you kind of you kind of get used to it and you, you just play your ball flight. Uh, my ball flight was had a little bit of a draw on it. Now, was I trying to draw it? No, I was not trying to draw it. That was just my natural ball flight. So I would have to end up, you know, playing that. And so I did kind of aim inside like a little inside right because I knew that it, my ball was going to draw towards the end of it.
1: What was the first 50 yarder long kick that you made that you realized you had some range? Does that stick out at all? Um, Probably the
0: Vandy. I think I may have made a 50 yarder before Vandy in, O in, a, um, in O three, but actually in Vandy in O three, um, I hit that one and I thought I hit it terrible. I actually put my head down and, and, you know, was, was cussing myself because it, it just came off like such a terrible kick. And, um, and I looked up, and it was actually moving back left in, and I think when it was a 54-yarder, and I think it went through, it probably would have had, you know, probably another five to seven yards on it, but um, that's when I realized, like I said, I I felt like I hit such a bad kick, but it still went that far, so I guess that's that's when I probably realized that. I mean, I knew I always had pretty good range. Um, I wasn't, I didn't have the the strongest leg ever, you know, I was, I was accurate too, but I had a pretty good leg. Not like these guys today, you know, that can kick at 70 yards. Um, But I had, I had a
1: decent, I had decent range. It's funny you mentioned that one because I was actually watching a video before we started doing this interview. That was actually the game deciding kick. I believe y'all won that game 24, 21, and you had actually made a 50 yarder earlier in that game. Mm -hmm. So that was like a further back one slightly. So you're telling me when you, when you, when it came off the leg, you're like, man, I hit this really bad. And all of a sudden it just goes through. Oh, man, it was terrible. I thought I thought it was
0: – I didn't think it had a chance. Um, I it, it was more kind of like a line drive, and I hit the ground a little bit. And, I mean, the way it started out being a little right, I just knew there was no way that it was going to come that far back in um, left, and it did. Uh, I remember I was kind of putting my head down, and Cody Ridgeway was my holder, and he started tapping – he started tapping on my head like a little faster. He had his hand on my head and he was watching. He just started tapping on my head a little faster as the as the ball, as the kick was getting, you know, getting closer to coming in. My my daughter and my um youngest son just ran up here. They just got out of the bath. Hey, y'all go downstairs.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. So he was tapping your head and then you look up and it just goes through.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of looked up because I knew he was tapping a little faster because, you know, he was like – and then he, he's – you know, I could tell that he was watching. He was getting a little excited by the tapping a little faster. So I looked up, and it, it just came right back through.
1: For uh, – I watched a press conference of Caden Davis, Ole Miss's current kicker now, and it was crazy to me. Was he was like a – he was a punter at A&M who had a massive leg and kicked a little bit but wasn't very accurate. And then all of a sudden he shows up at Ole Miss and just, like, wins the job – and I remember, I can't remember it was before or after the two lane game, he did a, a press conference, which cracked me the hell up because he was talking about his range and that like with the wind, he made like a 70 yarder in practice at AM. and m But he basically, the gist of it was he apparently told Kiffin before that game, if you get around midfield, I'm good. Like anything 65 and in, I'm good. What were those conversations like with Cutcliffe? I can't imagine you ever said, hey, if you get toward midfield, like I got this.
0: No, I, I never, I never thought to say that about, about going that far. Um, I do know like, like that Vanderbilt game, he, he did tell Cody, he said, go ask him. It was third down. And uh, he said, uh, he sent Cody over to ask me, he said, if we don't get it, if we don't get the first down here, does he think he can hit it? And, uh, and I think, right. I don't think we got any yards on the play and it was at 54 and I said, yeah, tell him I'm good. And, um and, you know, he, and you know, as soon as we didn't get the, we didn't pick up any yardage, and it was fourth down. He called a field goal.
1: Do you actually have a real answer there? Like, do you have any choice? Like, is there like, can you actually say like, I actually no, I can't do this?
0: <laughs> uh I don't think you want to say no, I can't do this.
1: <laughs> exactly. But, uh,
0: yeah, I mean, it's all it's all realistic. I mean, he knew that he had seen me kick, so he knew that he wouldn't have asked the question if he if he didn't, you know, if he didn't think that I had a pretty good chance of making it.
1: You have an incredible 2003 season. You win the Groza Award. You're, you know, three, four years removed coming out of high school. What was that like? Was it surprising to you at all? Was there ever a moment when you win that award, like, okay, I'm the best kicker in the country. Like, I can't believe this happened.
0: Um, Very surprising. I mean, I knew the season was going well, but I didn't, you know, I didn't, that's one thing I really didn't know. I guess I didn't know a whole lot about. I mean, I knew what the Groza Award, I knew it was like, you know, kind of the, Kind of the best kicker award, but I just it, it, I wasn't really thinking about that during the during the season. Um that wasn't running through my mind a whole lot uh, of actually, you know one becoming a, a semifinalist, then becoming a finalist and then winning it. Um, you know, there was a guy, Nate Kading, who had I think he had won it maybe the year before from Iowa, and he had another great season. And I, I was kind of thinking in my mind um that he was probably gonna win it again. Um, just him having another great year, but, um, but no, to answer your question, it just, uh, very overwhelming, um, very awesome, um, uh, you know, just a, just a, a, a great, a great, um, uh, great season, great, um, great, uh, award, you know, that I win, but, it, but like I said, I, I didn't, I never thought in this, in, in this world that I won
1: that award. You know, we'll get back to Jonathan in just one second. But before we do, I want to take a quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea. Your Go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted tea is unlike any other hard beverage you've ever had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted tea turns up on any occasion, especially when you're cheering on your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted tea is there to elevate your game day experience it perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments so let's toast to unforgettable game day experience twisted tea the drink that fuels and celebrates your love for college football keep it twisted podcast is also brought to you by lb's university avenue there in oxford go see greg if you're a rippy right subscriber that's rippy you get a free newsletter for me and discounted meats right now it's three six ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks it's about a 40 dollar evaluation you're getting there for 20 dollars. just go in show greg proof of subscription tell him you know about the rippy rights newsletter he'll get you set up and then go find all of your own favorites it's the greatest butcher shop in the world incredible cuts of meat I love the filet burgers, all kinds of delicious sausages. The tri-tip is incredible. It's truly a gem of Oxford and a gem of the South. Check them out. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Back to Jonathan. What's the psychology behind pressure kicking? Because I imagine kicking a 45-yarder in the middle of the second quarter against the South Carolina or whoever it may be versus, hey, the game's on the line. How do you how do you manage the nerves of realizing the game's riding on your foot? Is that something you ever practiced in terms of just like taking mental reps? What is it actually like dealing with the pressure of like hey this entire football game for 3 hours now resides on my right foot?
0: I don't think you look at it that in that way. I think you just look at it as that that's something that you've do and that's your job and you know you go through coaches put you try to put you through situations um in practice where the whole team's around you and screaming and yelling and they're all standing about two feet from you when you're kicking and everything so you know it's just something that you've trained for um and I mean you know pressure is gonna everybody feels pressure you know but people people handle it in different ways um but you just gotta you just gotta uh, go with your fundamentals and you know, like I said, I, I relate a lot of stuff to golf and just, you know, keeping your head down and, and your follow through, you know, and that's all you're trying to concentrate on because you can't do anything about the about the noise and, and, and about anything like that about the situation you're in. You just got to kind of go with with, you know, your fundamentals and your training and, and your experience.
1: Whether it's old misses the season or, like, NFL hard knocks, the kickers, like, the way they practice always cracks me up because, like, obviously you can only really do a couple of things, right? You stretch, you kick, you do whatever. What is practice like on a weekly basis for a kicker? Like, what did you do?
0: <laughs> it's
1: probably changed
0: a little bit since I was there. Um, I can't speak for them because I'm not um, – I don't know what Coach Kiffin does with his uh, kickers uh, these days, but we would go about 45 minutes before everybody else did – Stretch, we'd warm up, and our first two periods were field goal and punting, um, and kick if we had if we were doing it that day, and then after that, would go back into the locker room, and we would lift weights, work on anything that we need to work on, um, you know, um, watch TV sometimes. Uh, had any more schoolwork that you had to get done, we would do that. Um, so I remember one time we actually ordered a pizza, um, up to the locker room. <laughs> Um, and then we would, uh, we would go, we would go back out and run with the team. Um, uh, that was our only thing is we had to go back out to run with them at the end of practice. So we were done, we were done, you know, um, first two periods in is what we had to do.
1: What's it actually like building leg strength? What do you do to gain a stronger leg to get more range? Um, I think anything,
0: any, any leg weight you can do um any, any squatting is good a bunch we did a bunch of um quad work and a bunch of hamstring work so that's it's kind of where a lot of your strength comes from is your hamstring and your flex and your uh quads and your flexibility um i was very flexible um it helps you know now probably uh, i wouldn't call myself a, a a very fast twitch guy um because some of these guys are i mean caden davis is probably a really fast twitch guy 'Cause you just don't have that much thump on the ball unless you are. Um, so some of those guys aren't aren't the most flexible guys in the world. Uh just because it seems like their muscles are wound so tight, that's how they, you know, when they when they come back and they kick through it, it's just they they really blast it. Um, but it just, you know, just your normal we, we did a lot of um hamstring and we did a lot of quad work. This we did a lot prob- of balance work as well.
1: Okay. So this is probably a stupid question, but I've always wondered this. Sometimes on television when you have a kick and it's hugging an it upright and it's like I can't actually tell if that went in or not, particularly like if it goes over the upright, you're just kind of looking at the zebras below to see if they say, you know, make or miss. From your vantage point kicking the football, did you like did you always know whether you made or missed one? Or did you ever rely on the officials uh, under the upright to tell you whether it happened or not? Like can you see it pretty clearly?
0: Um in 03 when we won at the swamp I still don't know if I made that. I think it was a <laughs> it was a short kick. We had a I made a 35-yarder first and then we had a short one right. I think it was maybe right before halftime and I kicked it and uh and Cody looked at me and said I don't think that was good and uh and I said man I don't even know. I said I couldn't tell. I think it's cuz of the, where the sun was. I said I couldn't tell either and the refs called it good and he said man I think you got away with that one. I said I couldn't really tell either but I still don't know if that one was good. I guess at at some point they saw it go over the upright because um, to him and, and and kind of a little bit to me, it looked like it went a little right of the upright, but um, I'll take
1: it. You mentioned the golf aspect. Depth perception is a big thing in golf. I also somewhat seemingly equate it to like a free throw shooter in a different gym or just a shooter in a different gym. Are there harder stadiums to kick in than others as far as backdrop, what you're watching, what you're seeing? is there Are there harder places to kick in than others?
0: Um, I don't think the depth perception of uh, is probably is what makes it harder. I think it's it's the situation and it's the, it's the um the crowd. I know um same thing in 03 when we were at Auburn. I remember I watched that game the other night and they were talking about how loud that stadium was, how Jordan here was so so loud. And I remember I was probably about two feet away from Cody, and we were talking during that game, and we could not understand what you, each other were saying. um because it was that loud. Um, Same season, 3 in in The Swamp. um, Have you ever seen that movie, um, For the Love of the Game? Yeah. Okay, you know how um, Kevin Costner gets out there and he's thinking about all those things, and then he says, clear the mechanism? Yeah. Okay, so it's kind of like a kicker, or or that was kind of my thing. I didn't say clear the mechanism, but once I got out there, I couldn't hear anything. And, um, that game, I remember Cody was, was, um, he would put his hand down. He'd look at me, um, for a head nod and then he would, you know, flash his hand for the ball. Well, he put his hand, he looked at me, he looked back down, he looked at me, he looked back down, time was running out and he just snapped the ball and, uh he came over there after, after the kick. What are you, what are you doing? Why didn't you give me a head nod? I said, man, I could get out of my head. I could hear every person in that stadium.
1: (laughs) Okay. So it's mostly about just kind of silencing everything around you. What is the most, uh, when you make a kick and you win a game, whether it's Vanderbilt or through or whatever, what is that feeling like after it happens? And you know, this game is now over because that thing went through the uprights. What's kind of the initial moments like?
0: Oh man, it's a great feeling. Um, You know, of course, you got to always remember it's not just you that's doing it. You gotta, you gotta um, line blocking for you. You got a snapper holder. So um, I always tried my best to always go um, give those five and congratulate them as well. You know, because like I said, do it by yourself. You always gotta, you got a whole team, whole group that you got to count on. So, but it's a great, you know, when you get that done, just going out there and doing your job
1: when you have a big kick like that, I remember I talked to Will Gleason and Gary Wunderlich for a story back in 2017. I think it was on Wunderlich and Wonderlick was like, I don't want anyone to say anything to me before a kick. And like the one person that could was Gleason, which was his kicking battery. He was the holder. And it was when he made the game winner in 17 or 16, whenever that was at A&M and, he was real nervous and all of a sudden Gleason just looked at him and asked him some random question about like a homework assignment they had to do. And he just kind of laughed and that loosened him up to go out there. Did you want people say anything to you? What was it kind of like on the sideline before you knew a moment? it's was like, okay, I got to make a big kick here. I kind of think nobody, I think
0: everybody, you know, if you play sports, everybody knows that kind of like talking to the guy, throw no hitter. You don't go say anything about his no hitter. Um, I think everybody kind of knew that. And yeah, Cody was probably the only one that really, you know, that really talked to me. There were some other, you know, Lee and and uh, Lee Rogers and um, the snapper and stuff. They would we were pretty close knit unit. So we would talk. Um, but Cody was probably the main one. You know, if anybody said anything to me, it was probably him. Um, and I would always just tell him to remind me when I get out just because I could. So I wouldn't get caught up in the moment is for him to tell me to keep my head down. So usually that was his thing. When we got out there, he'd say, "You know, uh, forget it and keep your head down." So um that 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 helped a whole lot.
1: I know LSU o three is a bit of a sore subject for you know everybody involved in that game. But you win the Groza Award last year. Uh, that year, you miss a couple of kicks in that game. I read an old story. I can't even remember where I found it. Where you got interviewed after the game, and you mentioned on one you missed. It's like, hey, I just I, I made a good like stroke. Follow through; it just didn't go in. Are there sometimes as a kicker, you're just at the mercy of physics? Like, what is that like when it just doesn't go your way, and you felt like you did your job fine mechanically? Well, that was one kick I probably thought that I did everything that
0: I could, because that was one that I remember, Cody. I remember myself saying, "Keep your head down." And like you said, it was a big, you know, big situation. Um, and 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 Cody. He did you know told me to keep my head down and I and I did keep my head down and I hit the ball great it's probably one of the best kicks that I've ever had um and then look up and you see that it's not it's not drawing it's going straight but I mean it happens you know there were other kicks that 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 I had during um, seasons and, and and that season happens it's just sometimes you know just as far as the way the ball comes off your foot it might be but directionally it's not always, going where you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, um, as far as physics, I mean, I, I, you know, if, if, if you had to do it over again, then of course I would have, I would have, um, I would have paid for the ball not to draw and lined up a little bit more straight, but you know, I line up off, off muscle memory and ball usually does and it did usually draw a little bit. And, um, and for whatever reason, I crushed that ball, and it just went. It just came off straight. Beautiful kick. It just didn't move.
1: How do you pick yourself back up off the mat after a game like that in a situation like that? I, I can't imagine you know, the pressure you're feeling going in and everything that happens after. How do you rebound from a game like that?
0: Uh, you just gotta, have, like I said earlier, you just gotta have a short memory. You know, the most important kick is gonna be your next one. You know, kind of. Um... You know, just it, it, I mean it's tough. You always think about it. Um, but you just can't let it get the best of you. Like I said, you gotta you gotta lean on your experience, lean on your fundamentals, lean on what you you know, you've been you've been working, you know, um for the better part of your life, uh doing kicking or I had um fundamentals and, and doing it a long time. You just gotta you gotta put it you gotta get it, put it behind you and realize there's there's nothing you can do about it.
1: Do you have a good Eli story? Did he ever talk to you about a kick? Did he ever say anything? What uh what do you remember playing with him?
0: No, man, he was pretty quiet. Cool. Um, I mean, I, we hung out we hung out a fair amount. No, nah, I mean he he didn't say anything to me, uh, you know, much. He just, just what's up kicker, you know, all the time. And, um, you know, as far as a, about kick or anything about kicking or anything, he didn't he did anything. I, I do remember, um, uh, I don't know if you remember this. Um, but Peyton was in the Grove, and Eli um, had told us to come over to 10 after the game. We'd played an early game um, that week, and we all went over to the Grove after it, to over to Eli's tent. Peyton was there, and um, we walk up. That I don't know if you remember. Do you remember the incident with Mike jacked
1: Yeah, I with did.
0: Peyton? So, I don't know. Know all the details of what happened, but I do know that like they uh, I think he was mouthing off. Vanderge was mouthing off, and um, you know, Peyton had pretty much he's just a kicker, he's just a you know, uh just kind of you know shutting him down on on talking. And uh we walk up, uh, you know, he's like, Hey, Peyton, this is uh Jonathan Nichols, this is our kicker. And he's he said he, he looked at me, shook my hand, he's like, damn kicker, just shook
1: his <laughs> head. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good that seems like very Peyton-esque man that's uh that's funny so that that you oh, yeah. came back oh, for yeah. another year in 03 you guys win 10 games you go to the Cotton Bowl it was really kind of a revival of a program did you guys kind of understand the weight of what that season meant in the moment I'm sure you did probably after the fact but did you kind of understand the significance of it at the time
0: uh, I think we did I think everybody knew you know it it was kind of tough just you know we lost the we lost the Texas Tech game and then we we lose the the Memphis game so i can remember calling my dad just being really frustrated and telling him you know i just thought that i know we're better than this and, and and you know we we it just seems like we can't put it together but i know we're better than this we had no business losing to either one of those teams um especially memphis i thought that year although they had you know they had a great team and so did texas tech i just thought we were you know we were the team. We just we just didn't win the game. Um, but then we got on a hot streak, and and you know when we got to that that LSU game, it, I think that was when we realized and how good we played LSU, and then LSU going on to win the national title. You know I think that really really kind of stuck in our our minds of you know that's that's how good we were and that's how close we were.
1: We'll finish up with Jonathan in just one second, but before we do, I want to take one more quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. A crazy schedule can make it easy to fall back into your dinnertime recipe rut. Keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every week. So there's always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. With many in-season ingredients, you'll taste all the freshness of fall and every bite of HelloFresh's chef-crafted recipes. Produce travels from farm to your door for peak ripeness you can taste. I love HelloFresh. It makes the nighttime a lot easier, particularly when you're into a busy schedule. You can just pop something open quick from HelloFresh. It makes it very easy to put together a nutritious, delicious meal without the hassle of having to try to figure out what you want to make and what you want to cook on a given night. Check them out today. Go to hellofresh.com slash 50 MPW. That is hellofresh.com slash 50 MPW for 50% off plus free shipping. Check them out today. This podcast is brought to you by Caldera. Fall is here, gentlemen, and it's about to get busy during the holidays. Don't let that stop you from sticking to your habits and being the best version of yourself. That's where our friends at Caldera Lab come in. These guys are the best in the skincare game. And with an easy routine, keep your face looking pretty no matter the schedule. Plus, What's better than a gift of clear skin? Join the over 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab to show your best self and first impression this fall. Plus, it's a great gift. Let's agree on one thing. You're going to brush your teeth today, incorporating skincare steps before it guarantees to not mess up your teeth, leaving your breath fresh and your face refreshed. Caldera Lab creates high-performance skincare products, and the regimen leads off their product lineup. A twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. And just for our audience, we have an exclusive deal. You're not beating this offer. Get 20% off right now by using code MPW at calderalab.com for 20% off right now. Check them out today. This podcast is now brought to you by MC Speech Therapy. Has your child been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or another developmental disorder? MC Speech Therapy offers private speech therapy from the comfort of your own home. Other centers may leave you as the parent sitting in the waiting room. MC speech therapy enables parents to make every moment with their child therapeutic using a relationship based framework. MC speech therapy can help your child engage, relate, and communicate. Mary-Claire Boudreaux's doctorate level expertise and passion in helping children with communication difficulties offers articulation and language therapy, parent training, is, and is licensed to do virtual therapy across the state of mississippi with mc speech therapy you and your family will gain a better understanding of your child while cultivating stronger relationships for service today call 903-824-8575 or email her at maryclaire at mcspeechtherapy.net that is m-a-r-y-c-l-a-i-r-e at mcspeechtherapy.net all right back to jonathan Yeah, absolutely. Still to this day, the Travis Johnson pick six, even with the renovations and whatnot, maybe the loudest I've ever heard that stadium in my life. It was just an electric day all around. What was the transition after Ole Miss like? Did you try your hand at professional football at all? Did you go straight into the corporate world? Did you consider it all kicking professionally?
0: Uh, Yeah, I was I was um, signed as a free agent by the Vikings um, after the draft. So I was there, um, went up to minicamp, rookie minicamp. I was there over the summer and i was released um i was released right before training camp before games and um and then i came back and i'd actually i was really frustrated with that i thought i'd had a pretty good showing up there but the the coach at the time had told me that they wanted to re-sign me um after the and for NFL Europe and um and i was you know at the time i was just really frustrated i didn't know you know i didn't know if they really you know, I didn't sign anything for that, so I didn't know if they that was something that they told guys. They ever actually followed with that? Well, the coach actually gets fired during the season, so i had already taken a job. I was living in Houston, Texas at the time, and um, and they called me. I was actually back in Greenwood. I think it was MLK Day, so we were off on that Monday, and I was going to drive back to Houston, and I get a call at like seven thirty in the morning. And it was the Vikings and they, they um, said, Hey, we want to re-sign you to um, play NFL Europe. I said, well, man, I've taken a job in Houston, Texas. I said, "Uh, I got to, let me see what I can do with this. And they're like, all right, well, we need to know, you know, in, in, in like 48 hours, I think was, you know, a timeline. So I actually um, called the, the um, president of of our company at the time who had actually interviewed me and given me the job and, and uh, you know, we talked, and, and uh, he wished me well, and I drove out to Houston, packed my stuff, drove back to Oxford, and started training, and went to NFL Europe, and uh, and injured my groin probably second day.
1: Oh God! Down
0: there, sent me to Birmingham for uh re, sent me to Birmingham for rehab, and I was thought that I'd had to do like a month and a half to two month rehab um before they would release me or they would do surgery it could have been a sports hernia and uh, I rehabbed I was good to go they flew me up to Minnesota team doctors checked me out and they released me and and I came back to ox and um and worked out a little bit I didn't get any calls and I just you know I just said it's I'm I'm sick of living out of living out of a space I, I need some stability in my life and so um I went back to work I didn't Go to dental school at that time. I'm um, actually working another job. I went to dental probably, um, I think it was 2000. So I was about 28, 29 when I started school.
1: That life as a professional kicker is just a total crapshoot. You mentioned thinking you had a pretty good camp. It actually, in some ways, and you would know a hell of a lot more about it than me, but like sometimes it doesn't even seem like how good you do. It's just like you have to be perfect, then the opportunity has to come, and then you have to continue to be perfect. Like It's not even anything about how you perform. There's just so limited jobs. They don't spend draft picks on kickers. Like I imagine part of the frustration was just like this is almost like a dead end. There's just so few of these jobs. I mean, you see it in Sunday night football or Monday night football every year. It's like this guy was selling insurance 10 days ago and somebody had a hamstring injury. So now he's kicking in an NFL game. It just seems like a total crapshoot, in my opinion.
0: It is. It, it, you know, they're they're expendable. They keep 32. Um, there's no backup kickers now. You know, you're lucky sometimes your punter. Uh, may have kicked, you know, somewhere along the way. So he can pick you up if you get hurt, if the kicker gets hurt during the game. Um, but, yeah, that's how it is. And, you know, I mean, looking back at it, there were some guys that I knew that kind of stayed on the circuit and they got in. Uh, you know, they were in my – same same as me in my situation. Somebody got hurt and they end up kicking for a few years. Um, I mean, in, in, in hindsight, you know, I guess I could have. But at the, at the time, I just – like I said, I just – I wanted and needed some stability. Um, I just didn't – you know, I just – I guess – Seeing those guys up there, and I think my, my weak point was my kickoffs, and I didn't know if there was anything that I could do to really make my leg that much stronger at the time. Um, and I guess I kind of knew uh, deep down, even though accuracy-wise, I probably charted just as good as or better than the guys that they had and they ended up going with at the time. Um, but I, I just did have – they wanted – they were kind of trending away from guys that were doing – Uh, a guy that just did kickoffs and a guy that just field goals Um, and they were wanting a guy to do it all uh, minus punting. But um, that was probably where I just lagged behind a good. And so I guess I kind of knew that, yeah, I could probably go out there and, and, and accuracy wise, I could have, I could have played with those guys. I could have been a good kicker, but um, kickoff wise, I probably, that was probably where, where my weakness was.
1: As we wrap up here, you're the featured athlete of the week. How often do you make it back for games? What do you think it'll be like walking into the stadium again?
0: Uh, we were at the LSU game, uh, okay. we had, and we also drove down to watch them watch them play Tulane. Uh, New Orleans, not too far from here. Uh, but I've had season tickets for a lot of years now. But just being where my kids are with their ages and uh, activities and things, we probably we probably average maybe one games making it a year i mean i would love to go to all of them but um but uh usually i'll just give my tickets away or something to somebody um so they can use them but um about once or twice a year i love i love coming back you know i hope one of my kids decides to to go there so we can give my wife and i an excuse to get a place up there one day
1: i imagine having the 03 team back together lsu weekend was a pretty special experience i mean it was cool for everyone in the stadium just watching you guys on the field i bet that was pretty awesome
0: oh yeah man it was it was great just seeing just seeing those guys that I hadn't seen in a while and um you know just picking right back up where we left off you know we were we were a re- really close knit team and um it was just great just getting to be around those guys and even coach Culer was there and uh getting to see and visit with him it was it was a great experience. I wish they would um uh, get us together a little bit more often.
1: last thing I have for you if I told you you had five minutes to stretch, what's the furthest kick you can make today <laughs>
0: Uh, probably I may push it a little bit um past an extra point, but you got the question that you need to ask is is how the question that you need to ask is how sore am I going to be for about two weeks after I do that?
1: Okay, would you how, if you had to make like a forty yarder, how many tries would it take, and how sore would you be?
0: Uh I don't know. It may take me a couple of tries, but I, I guarantee you that I would feel it uh, for a good two to three weeks.
1: <laughs> that's, that's the perfect answer. He is Jonathan Nichols, Old Miss great. I really appreciate the time, man. I enjoyed this a lot. I appreciate you joining the show and I hope you all have a wonderful weekend back in Oxford.
0: Yeah, you too. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me.
1: That's going to do it for our show today. Really appreciate Jonathan's time. Hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did doing it. Learned a lot. Really appreciate him joining the show. We'll be back on Sunday with Weldon. Y'all have a safe, happy weekend, and we will catch you on Sunday.